Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Coffee and Football, presented by Adam Lowy and the Lowy Law Firm. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined this morning by Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton. And, uh, man, Town Hall last night by Chris Ponte fellas, we learned, I mean, we could do a whole show just talking about that Town Hall. But, Bobby, I'm, I'm going to let you start. What were some of your main takeaways? Well, hey, hey, before Bobby gets going, I, I, I'm trying to help our thousands of viewers out. Don't forget what today is, guys. <laughs> okay. What, first of all, it'll be a very important manscape read later. But don't forget what today is. If you have a wife, if you have a girlfriend, if you don't want, want one, just throw it away like I just did. But just, just a reminder. You're still you're still giving chocolates at age 40, whatever you are, Jerry. You gotta move on to flowers, my man. <laughs> That's flowers. what I did. Go. Come on now. Hey, uh, guys, yeah, Chris Del Conte did a great job last night, I thought, at the town hall. He does an annual town hall, uh, the Texas Athletic Director, uh, answering questions, uh, kind of uh, showing the path forward for the University of Texas uh, uh, sports programs and athletic programs. Uh, he started it off talking about the championships that he desires to win in the Big 12 on the way out. Uh, I think three of four programs in the fall won their Big 12 championship. He was very proud of that. He uh, showcased not only the Longhorns Big 12 championship and running the college football playoffs, but also the volleyball team's uh, number one uh, finish in national championship back-to-back. Uh, he also talked a lot about the future plans for Longhorn Athletics, uh, which I, is where I got really interested, to be honest, because it was the first time I've heard some definitive timelines from Chris Del Conte, either, either publicly or privately. A couple of notes uh, here. They are uh, going forward with the uh, – uh, with the uh, practice facility, it will be where the old social work building is. So if you can envision the football stadium right now, the south side, that as you, if you're heading towards San Antonio down I-35, that south side of the stadium, okay, will be right across the street from it is the School of Social Work. The so School of Social Work will be torn down. There will be an indoor pr practice facility as well as an outdoor practice facility. Blake, you did a great job here with these photos uh, so that people can see them. Uh, that That's the, the regular football stadium right there that you can see, okay? where Not the regular, that is the practice field, the outdoor practice field. Adjacent to the left right there with the Longhorn logo on it will be the indoor practice facility. There's a closer-up look of that. You can actually see through the building itself uh, to see the practice, et cetera. Uh, so that'll be an interesting 
uh, situation. So they'll, be, so they'll be dropping the drapes over that when they're practicing. Clearly, yeah, you're not going to. You'll be yeah. able to see it. You'll be able to see it during the day. But as soon as they start practicing, I'm sure they're going to have uh, the uh, the uh, the spacers that uh, come down and uh, not let people see from outside in case Barry Switzer wants to come down and check out practice, practice one day like he was want to do in, in the old times. All right, uh, but also not only that. Uh, they mentioned also this new area in left field uh, that they're going to have for dish fog. They're going to have a new score. I want to go over this first. It's called the Yeti Yard, but I don't know if you got the picture that I sent, uh, Blake, but there it is. There's actually left field. If you see left field, that is the left field wall that's going to have plexiglass see-through. Awesome. That is awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. And so you're going to actually have that available to you as an opportunity he was talking about not being able to have bleacher seats because if you notice the row right or the road right behind there, they can't build up because of that road. And so they're going to create a more fan-friendly atmosphere so where actually you don't have to sit up on top of a bus like we used to have to do in left field. Uh, and so that'll be called the Yeti Yard. Also, a new scoreboard stadium. They're going to, um, uh, for the University of Texas, they're going to add some uh, creature comforts to the scoreboard. If you, this every so often, he's got some things going on. But one of my favorite things of all, and I, and I don't know that we have a picture of this yet, and I've often thought of this, and I'm glad someone's going through with it. Here's, here's what he's going to do. The Longhorn logo is synonymous with University of Texas, the silhouette Longhorn logo, right? Well, if you're driving by at night on I-35, you can see the tower. You can see element. You can see the football stadium. But you know what? We don't have a Longhorn logo that actually identifies the campus for people just driving by at night. He's creating a huge, huge Longhorn logo that will be illuminated at night that people can see uh, driving by downtown. I think you, awesome. your point, Bobby, on that, and you guys know this, if you've driven on I-10 at night through Baton Rouge, you see the purple lights at LSU by the football stadium. Yep. That is very cool. Did you, I, you, you may, I may have missed it. Did you hit on grass when grass filled? No, I, I did not yet because I was a different uh, part of the conversation. But uh, Del Conte said by the plan is by 2026, Texas will be dis, uh, transitioning from uh, the uh, field turf that they currently have to actual grass field on DKR. So not this year, not yet next year, but the year after uh, they're going to go to grass as well. So that'll be 2026. Uh, hopefully the football indoor construction facility, all of that is done by the 26th season, the beginning of the, they'll be able to have it for spring practice in 2026 uh, as well. Uh, but all of that uh, starting now, it was very, very cool uh, to listen to Chris Del Conte. He answered questions. Somebody asked him, by the way, Jerry, uh, hey, what about these media talking heads that are saying you're not going to play any Big 12 schools? Chris did his best to say, no, we're not playing any Big 12 schools politically. Oh, well, we got to have so many home games. We got to have so many of this and that. They're not playing any Big Big 12 schools because they're not going to do a home and home with Texas Tech right. or Baylor or TCU. Right. They're just not. They're, it's not in their best financial interest. And uh, that's what that's one of the things he was trying to impart without coming out and saying, no, we're not. Because he's not going to make an official statement like that. But uh, this is another. Like awesome. You bought, brought up somebody from Brenham checking in. Lima Sweet, still one of the most important catches in Texas football history. <laughs> yes. Hey, this is the new recruiting lounge. One, one piece of the new recruiting lounge. That's right underneath the stadium. 
There's another meet and greet for uh, Texas family families coming in. Just a lot of good stuff from that town hall. I thought yesterday from Chris Del Conte. Uh, season ticket prices, Jerry, will be lower on a per game basis this year. But there is another game in DKR this year, which means that season ticket prices are actually going up. But on a per game basis, uh, not they also have some in game or in in game improvements. They're going to have walk and go or, you know, just basically yeah, you awesome. stand your item instead of having to stand in line. Uh, they're also bringing Fletcher's Corny Dogs, the original, uh, to the uh, the game. So, Jerry, you can have that with mayonnaise well, on well, it. Yeah, they better have mayonnaise. Else I'm not <laughs> What's wrong with long you guys? Long story short, lots of improvements uh, that Chris Del Conte and his staff have rolled out. He gave a lot of kudos out, I thought, which was excellent, um, in my opinion. Uh, to his staff, whether it was Fernando Lovo, uh, Sean Eichhorst, Drew Martin, uh, Chris Plonsky, et cetera, and et cetera. He really uh, gave, did a good job of patting them on the back, uh, saying it was a team effort, et cetera. But uh, a lot of news uh, last night that was very interesting. Not necessarily uh, Jerry and Blake that is, you know, groundbreaking or, or whatever. It just gave you a glimpse into the future of how he sees uh, the whole thing. And somebody just said that, the rent-free video, that was awesome, uh, by the way. Uh, I, I think it, we can. We should try to bring that up, by the way. Uh, go ahead, Jerry. You had something you want to say? Oh, no, no, no. That was it. I mean, I I just think it's it's such an amazing time, the timing of moving to the SEC, the timing of making that uh, the final four-team college football playoff, winning the Big 12 with a salute on the way out by uh, Del Conte here. Um, but, yeah, I everything is just – so positive. Um, everybody's joking about the mayo. Obviously, it's, it's funny. We have fun with that. But uh, that, by the way, I wanted to say this: the beach volleyball is awesome. Whoever, you like that? <laughs> yes, whoever came up with that, that is tremendous, guys. I mean, that is good looking stuff right there for a beach volleyball for that. But I just think it's such a great. Great time for Texas fans, man. I mean, I just can't – I can't be more excited for all the fans that tune into this every day. Um, I mean, you just look at the building, the, the facilities that are coming, uh, the move to the SEC, the $90 million a year to start coming from the contra te television contract uh, with the SEC. But, I mean, uh, you know, look, it's it's a great time on the 40. I mean, it, it, it's the fan experience. You know, that's the one thing I say. Bevo Boulevard kind of started with some of that stuff with Del Conte. What he's brought to the fan experience at the University of Texas is unmatched in my years. Uh, he, he's clearly uh, in tune with that, too. Uh, he yeah. was very fan-centric or fan-first last night. I think that's a, that's a term that he can easily be applied to Chris Del Conte. Fan-first. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, he's he's talking about uh, season tickets. I mean, trying to get the prices lower so that it's affordable for more people to come. Uh, are they going to have Bijan mustard? Uh, it, it's interesting uh, how all it's going to how all it'll play out. Uh, but uh, clearly there is a plan. I, I think if you didn't walk away from watching that. Thinking, OK, there is a plan for University of Texas athletics that goes well beyond what happens next month. For Chris Del Conte and his staff, you're wrong. I mean, there is a clear, articulated plan of this is what we're going to do, and this is how we're going to do it. This is where the money's going to come from, et cetera. 
Um, he talked a little bit about NIL too, Jerry, uh, which I thought was interesting. Uh, gave a major shout out to the Texas One Fund. Uh, mentioned uh, William Morris, who's going to be doing some uh, experiential things as well. Uh, but uh, they are there. That that uh, thing is on on train tracks, just like the Texas football program. I talk about how that you know the hardest thing is get the trip the train tracks ro uh, grounded and put in the ground, and then start moving the train. I think I think uh, the train is moving in the Texas athletic department right now. For Full sure. Scale. For sure. Well, we got a lot more to talk about. We'll talk recruiting here in a second, guys. But before we get to that, Bobby, I want you to tell everybody out there about Adam Lowy and the Lowy Law Firm. Yeah, absolutely. Adam is a, a big sponsor of the Coffee and Football Wednesday mornings. We really appreciate you, Adam. Thank you very much. If you've been injured in a car wreck, truck, motorcycle, what have you, uh, and think you might be due compensation, uh, give Adam a shout uh, at LowyLawFirm.com. All you have to do is put your name and number in there, and they'll give you a call. Uh, he has 20 plus years, two decades of experience uh, getting the best results for his clients. They have a deal where they actually only do a free consultation to start. So you get an opportunity to really talk about it and see whether or not he thinks y'all are, you might be due compensation. Again, that's LowyLawFirm.com. Adam, appreciate you very much for your sponsorship of Coffee and Football. Well, Jerry, you uh, you posted some recruiting nuggets, a lot of them, over on ontexasfootball.com. Can you tell folks what the latest is in recruiting? Yeah, yeah. And if I have to pause for a second, it's uh, seasonal allergies one, me zero. So I might have to hit the mute button every now and then. I've, I'm, I'm zero and one against the seasonal allergies this morning. Uh, but yeah, so look, it's, it's interesting that March 22nd through 24th, I think, is going to be the first big visit weekend of the spring for Texas. And it's lining up right at this beginning of spring practice. I think they have coaches clinic, high school coaches clinic that weekend as well. But there's an a, a, a seven on seven uh, football tournament in the Austin area. Uh, so Brandon Brown, his team, that California power team. Yes, he's from Melbourne, Florida, the Space Coast, and he plays with somebody on the other whole other coast of America. California power, that team is, is scheduled to be in Austin. That means Brandon Brown uh, will be in Austin, uh, would visit with Texas um, and then a, a team out of the Houston area, the Knight Riders, who is actually a really good AAU basketball team, too, uh, in the Houston area. That's Keoti Armstrong, tied in from Jasper, who made a second trip to A&M, by the way, that last weekend. Uh, so A&M and Texas are duking it out for Keoti Armstrong. I think Texas has a slight lead there. Uh, then 2026 linebackers. I mean, uh, uh, by the way, 2025 linebacker Javar Thomas from Aldine Nimitz will be there as well. He's with that team. But Kosi Akpala, who plays for Rashad Bobino, the D.C. at Maid Creek, um, a Texas uh, Longhorn National Champion linebacker. Kosi Akpala, Akpala, one of the top 26 linebackers. He'll be there. Uh, Ty on King, the line, 26 linebacker from Port Arthur Memorial. He'll be with that team as well. Uh, Grant Smith, the quarterback from Grand Oaks, which I have a, I have a story on ontexasfootball.com looking at the six, seven quarterbacks in state in 2026. That Texas, I've been told Texas, AJ Milwee will go watch those guys throw during a spring evaluation period. That's big because Texas is yet to offer a quarterback nationally or in state in the 26th class. So that spring evaluation uh, period will very likely lead to an offer or two around that June 3rd elite camp where you saw KJ Lacey commit last year. Uh, so 26 uh, quarterback recruiting, never too early to talk about courting, quarterback recruiting, by the way. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian, as Bobby says, uh, says it's the most important position in the sport. And I, I think he's right. 
but then there's some other 2025 news as well. Um, yeah, Gus Cordova, defensive lineman out of Lake Travis. Uh, we'll have more on him in the next day or two, but he told me he spoke he spoke with Kenny Baker since Baker uh, was hired at Texas, uh, which that kind of tells you that how much Texas likes uh, Gus Cordova, a local product there at Austin Lake Travis. He went to Oregon, Texas, and Texas A&M on junior days. I think those are the three teams to know right now. Um, and then Smith Arogba, one of the mid-January offers, an edge out of A-Leaf Hastings. Um, he was offered by Jeff Banks when Banks rolled through that area, one of his recruiting areas. He is. I talked to him last night. He has not heard from Texas since he was offered. Does that mean Texas doesn't like him? No, it doesn't. Uh, I, I think we'll see uh, some of these kids, Texas, pick up the contact with them. Remember, they were out of the office last week. They took a week out of the office to kind of recharge the batteries. So I think you'll see Texas start to pick up some communication with guys here in the next two or three weeks, and you'll we'll see who they push to get on campus in March and then for the April spring game. Had two guys tell us they're going to be at the spring game. I mean, there's going to be 100 kids at the game probably. I mean, Texas does compete with other spring games, but Ricky Stewart uh, running back at Chapel Hill, who's a big Texas lean, he told me yesterday he'll be at the spring game with his mom. Um, and then Michael Terry at Alamo Heights uh, said he'll be at the spring game. Uh, and then there was also yesterday Peter Longy, uh, 2025 offensive lineman from San Francisco, Archbishop Reardon, uh, two San Francisco linemen. Texas recruiting in 2025. John Mills uh, from St. Ignatius, the other who has a June 14th through 16th official visit set. Um, but uh, Peter Longy, uh, whose uncle is Jake Longy, former uh, worked in the Texas recruiting department. Peter Longy scheduled with his mom and brother to visit Texas during spring break, March 16th, 17th week. And the problem is Texas will be on spring break that weekend. So he wouldn't get the full Texas treatment. So we'll see if he keeps that visit just because that's when he can make the visit with his spring break or they push it back and he comes back for the spring game. But Peter Longy, another offensive line name to know in 2025. But maybe he can actually stay for the Saturday spring game. By the way, that spring game time, I don't know if it's been released publicly yet, but I'm being told spring game will start at 1 p.m. Yeah. So, Blake, you know, you did the thing with your kids last year where you went and got the signatures and everything for everybody. Uh, they'll have all the Bevo Boulevard stuff. And then the game itself right now, right now, because it's not a set in stone thing because weather, et cetera, Sark may want to change it at the last minute. But right now they expect the spring game on April 20th uh, to start uh, at 1 p.m. I do have a couple other things. I think Texas's pro day, it looks like, is going to be March 20th. I'm not sure if that's out there yet or not. Uh, and uh, we've got a lot. Of, I got, I've got a lot of notes that I actually talked to a couple of people yesterday. And so I've got a lot of notes. I need to put that on, on TexasFootball.com as well. And I'll go over some of those with questions here today as well. So uh, join us on OnTexasFootball. If you get it.com, you get a chance. Jerry and CJ already wrote notes on recruiting this morning. Uh, I've got an article coming out after the after the show as well. So I uh, hope you guys can join us. Join in the conversation, by the way. Uh, hey, by the way, we, so you gave us so much information from the town hall, Bobby. I want to hit on for a second the move to grass in 2026. Yeah. I, I think that is a needed, huge move that I, I think it may not be talked about a lot compared to facilities when you see the photos of all the facilities. But I have been a proponent of this. Um, I'm glad this move is happening. Um, I, I am not a fan of the sport turf and football. I, I just am not. Uh, before the, it's better for grass is better for injuries one, uh, but then ingesting all those rubber pellets, uh, all these athletes too. 
I, I'm I'm very glad Texas is making the move to grass for a multitude of reasons. One, uh, obviously, the leading one is, is is less injury risk. Yeah, that that's been. I don't know if they have definitive numbers, but I will say this. I, I'll, I'll add this that it, as it relates to it, field turf was such an improvement over artificial turf. Correct. That it was like going from a zero out of a 100 to a 50. Okay. Yes. Grass or, or 60 or 70 or whatever you want. Grass is the more natural playing for surface. It has more give to it, even than a field turf. It's a more natural surface. I, I, I feel like, you know, I don't know. I don't know of all the data. Texas has not, you know, for lack of a better term, they have not had many ACL or major joint issues on the football team in the last five years. Maybe a couple, but those happened. Isaiah Nayors happened at at uh, the grass practice fields. Yeah. Right? Troy O'Mears, grass practice fields. They didn't happen on DKR. So those soft tissue injuries that you're worried about on field turfs haven't necessarily happened. Part of that, I do believe, is that these strength and conditioning coordinators, Tori Becton and those guys, Jerry, have done a better job. Yeah. They've done a better job understanding what prevents those uh, to this. I'm more about this. What Zay it, this, this too. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is grass just smells and feels like, I agree. It's playing, out, it's playing in your backyard with the fence. And when the fence is the touchdown, it's playing in the front yard. When the driveway is the touchdown, you're playing on grass. You're not playing. You know what I mean? If you're not playing, well, you, on, know, uh, you know what, you know, what starts to begins the start of football a season every year for me is that first high school two-a-days practice, well, if it's two-a-days anymore, where it's early morning and you walk out on the field and you smell the grass on the practice field. That's like the officially the start of football season for me every year, to your point. Yep, I, I agree. All right, y'all, we have a couple of super chats that we need to knock out real quick, and we'll start with this one from Colton. He says, I'll be ringing, it, ringing in our induction to the SEC with my first child. Baby girl is due August 5th. Exciting times ahead. Hook them. That's awesome, Colton. Congratulations. Colton, congrats. I, my first child was a uh, was a young girl that I'm going to see tomorrow. Uh, she's away in college, and I'm getting a chance to see her tomorrow. So congrats, Colton. You'll never be, it'll never be the same, man. Life will never be the same after a kiddo. And then this one from Lee Barden, guys. He says, you probably already cussed and discussed Elko's comments about being the flagship university, and sorry if I missed it. Keep up the great work and hook them. But I don't think we have discussed this really on Coffee. We have football. it because the video was edited, right? He didn't say the. He said one of the. And clearly AM's not the, and they're a distant number two. But I don't. I think that video that went around was edited. I think he said one of. I could be wrong on that. I, I believe you are correct. Okay. And I believe he's not right. No, yeah. <laughs> you, you can be correct about the edit of the video, etc. What you can't be correct of, there is only one flagship university in the state of Texas. AM is a, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to take anything away from AM, but it's just the way it is. Hey, by the way, by the way, oh, no, no, I had a question. This is something I wanted to bring up because it came up on the message boards. Okay. When we were talking about Texas's biggest. Uh, foe or most important game. Okay. I wanted to test this out because this is something I felt from going to Texas and it felt Texas versus OU 
that game tends to be considered the more important if you're from Dallas, West Texas, maybe Northeast Texas or North Texas. Okay. So Wichita Falls, Texas OU is bigger. Uh, Abilene, Texas OU is bigger, et cetera. Uh, you, you also have Dallas, DFW area, Texas OU is bigger. If you live in Houston or East Texas or South Texas, most people think it's Texas versus Texas A&M is bigger. I think that that's one of the things that's interesting about UT and where the fans come from and how it affects who you see the bigger rivalries. Yeah. Like, Blake, do you see it as Texas OU? You're from West Texas. You're, you're living in Comanche. Do you see it as Texas OU or Texas, Texas A&M? I, honestly, I, I was just thinking about that while you were talking. I mean, you, you look at the kids that, that you know, go off to college from here, 90% of them, if they're going to a major university, are going to A&M or, you know, sometimes Tech. And then very few kids go to Texas. So there's a very heavy A&M presence in this area. Um, so to me, I, I kind of A&M more than anything. Okay. I think there's another part to this. Uh, and I'm just being real here, so A&M fans may take offense, but they haven't competed for anything meaningful. And that does play into it as well like so our, our our conversation yesterday texas georgia is going to be the biggest game nationally for texas this year because it's the best program in college football rolling into austin and with texas going to the playoffs last year that is going to be the most talked about game for texas nationally in my opinion um but i think a&m i think that rivalry in recruiting was so big for this state but for the actual game played, I mean, Oklahoma's competed for, and won national championships. Georgia's won two of the last three national championships, right? Florida, even though they're down when they come to Austin, have won national championships in football, basketball, what have you. A&M's just not on that level or hasn't been. Does that mean it will always be the case? No. But from a national perspective, it's different. It's at Oklahoma. It's Georgia and it's Texas because those teams are competing at the higher at a higher level over the last 15, 20, 25 years. I know Texas went through their downturn, but look, people still talk about Vince crossing the goal line. And now Texas went to the playoff last year. AM from when Texas lost to Alabama to this last year, January, AM had 15 years to do something and they couldn't do it. So nationally, they're not perceived against Texas the same way as Oklahoma or Georgia or Michigan will be or Alabama game was. A&M's got to hold up their end of it, but it's for in-state recruiting, it's great the rivalry's back. I, I just, I'm just thinking to myself, I mean, I, I, I've, I've got a bunch of friends that are from Dallas, a bunch from Houston that are Texas grads, fans, et cetera. So interesting, te Texas versus Texas Tech and West Texas. Maybe. You know, it, it's always – my, my point is, Texas is the flagship school of which everybody kind of emanates around. Yep. And, you know, there you go. Texas, Arkansas, if you're from Texarkana, of course, or Carthage or one of those places. Jerry Marshall, maybe. Yes, 100%. You know? and, and so I, I get it. And that's what, I'm, that's what I'm trying to say. I think it almost, your mindset as a Texas fan is almost predicated on where you're from personally. So... I'm from Houston, so I grew up more Texas, Texas A&M. To your I, point, I, I Bobby? To your but point, I, I, got, I got a friend from Dallas that swears it's Texas OU and will hear nothing of it, right? And and I'm not saying either of us 
are right or wrong. And I'm not necessarily that way anymore now that I've you know gone through the whole process of, of going to Texas, et cetera, and, and being a fan for so long. My point being for you guys is I think that who we see as our most hated or bitter rivalry, not necessarily, Jerry, um, who will be the most impactful game this year, which right. is kind of where we were veering off to, but who we see as our rival is, is predicated in large part, I think, on where we're from initially. Yeah, and to your point, I was in East Texas last week, and the closer you get to Texarkana, that's definitely more Texas-Arkansas there. Uh, and you can see it. You can see the flags flying. Yeah, I mean, it's not – It's it didn't – Golden Triangle, James Lee brought up Golden Triangle. Uh, you know, some got a little LSU, A&M, LSU, Texas there. So that's the great thing about living in a huge state like Texas uh, where populations moved in from everywhere. Again, that's why I'm so excited about the SEC move. I mean, it's, it's on, guys. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> it's fun times. For sure. And it is like that's a good point, Bobby. I mean, you look at the chat, there's so many different answers checking in from different parts of the state, even some other bordering states. And I mean, everybody's answers are different, you know, based on geographic location. So Yeah. I, I think that's I think that's natural. And that's part of what brings us all together. Right. I mean, it's like everybody has their own they both suck. That's the best answer. <laughs> Daryl, Daryl with the best answer. There you go. Let, let's just resolve that. That's the fact. <laughs> we've had a couple of com- we've had a couple of comments. Here it is. Um, well, that not that one. I was uh, ski Brett. I think Arkansas may hate Texas worse than anybody. The people that have brought that maybe te- maybe Oklahoma maybe, but there's three schools that you bring up, and and the hate Texas. I'm with you. That's the most. Well, Arkansas has a chip on its shoulder. The other two don't. Yeah, like Arkansas knows. It's not Texas, and it knows it's the smaller state, right? Whereas AM thinks it's going to try to be as big as Texas, and OU thinks it can stand on its own. That's kind of the 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 trio of schools there. I agree. That's that's a fair thing. Look yeah. at James Lee bringing that golden triangle smack talk. <laughs> <laughs> Dustin Long, that. Fort Natchez Groves quarterback that went to AM. Oh man, good player. Dad was awesome. Dad was salt of the earth, man. Awesome. Played a good coach at PNG for a long yep. time. Yep. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. All right, well, we got a lot of questions to get to, so we're going to start getting to some of those. And we're going to open with a pretty interesting question here from E. Kim. Which men or women's sport does Texas win its first SEC championship in? By the way, good morning from Rockford, Illinois. Volleyball. Yeah, oh, that's a cop-out answer. It's the first one I played. <laughs> and Texas is the defending, two-time defending national champ. And Maddie Skinner is back next year. The setter is back. They've got like eight of ten starters returning or whatever their number is. So they do lose uh, 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 Jermaine, Jermaine O'Neal's uh, daughter. 
Uh, that was so uh, integral in the thing. But uh, they Texas should be the favorites in volleyball. So I think it's going to be volleyball. I agree, 100%. What if you had to pick a men's one? I'm going to put you on the spot and not Ooh. let you get away with women's only. If you had to pick a men's sport, which one wins its first championship? Wow. I tell you what, men's the, – the, Men's sports goes up a notch higher than women's sports does, in my opinion. As, as you transition to the SEC, the Big 12 actually has highly, highly competitive women's sports. Um, man. It's a tough call. It, it is. I mean, because I don't know that they'll be favored. In, well, swimming and diving, is that, you know, but even Auburn is good in swimming. Um, baseball's not until the spring, though, David. It starts. Uh, it starts in the fall. Somebody brought up golf. I, I would have to look at the the actual schedule and see what it was. I mean, golf maybe, but I mean, isn't Alabama really really Alabama good? In Georgia, Alabama, yeah. Georgia, Florida, strong, strong, strong. I mean, hey, hey, like we talk about baseball, we don't. We're not going to break down golf here, but golf in the SEC is extremely competitive on the men's side now. Yep. Everything yeah. is I mean, tennis. But, but here's somebody's got to go out there on the limb, and y'all know I like to stand on the twig and fall on my face. I'm going with football next year. Why the hell not? <laughs> yeah, this, like face is, this face is already beat up, so let's go. I'll go football next year. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, we're going to do another question here. Uh, this one from Zane Petty, and he says, if Tech or Baylor would play Texas just at home with no road game, would Del Conte – do that um i was told that that's not going to happen from tech or baylor so <laughs> effectively it's a no that this is what this is how del conte plays with words is we're not doing home and homes he basically just told everybody that last night we're not doing home and homes in state and if I, I, rice isn't requiring a home and home UTSA is not requiring a home and home. SMU may not require a home and home. Okay. Tech, Baylor, those TCU, they're going to want a home and home. Texas is not going to do it. They're not going to play Big 12 teams, in my opinion. Houston, I mean, they're not going to do a home and home with Houston. If they if they were doing a home and home, they would want to play it at Energy Stadium. Too. I mean, and Houston's not going to want to do that. So they'll go play Rice. They may go play Rice at NRG in Houston. I got to ask you all this, the spinoff off the SEC question, real quick before we move on to something else. Who has the toughest job to win, sport to win an SEC title? Oh, I think That's baseball. Baseball, girls basketball for me. Oh, well, that yeah. Kim Kim Mulkey in South Carolina, I mean, you've got to be now. I mean, uh, but but probably baseball and women's basketball are going to be the two toughest to actually hoist that trophy. Softball, too. What's that? Softball as well will be tough. Yeah, but OU is the best softball program in the country. And so you you can't – well, I guess they're moving with Texas to the (laughs) SEC. But it's not necessarily any harder in the SEC – Given OU's just is in the Big Twelve too. Yeah, that's true. Very true. But, but women's basketball is a great answer. 
Because Don, they have, they, I mean, they have two the two programs that are nil heavy on the women's side with Hall of Fame coaches. Hey, hey, by the way, that reminds me, uh, Blake. We were talking about this yesterday off air. You and I, LSU's nil apparatus for baseball is next. Now Texas does a good job in nil with baseball and has a lot of contributors and they're doing well. LSU's baseball nil rivals. Two or three teams that I know that are pretty big name teams, their baseball NIL rivals some lower le- some some yes. big some Big 12 level slash you know even Big Ten level NIL. Yeah. And you know what helps them, and it's it's no secret. So I'll I'll just go ahead and say it is Marucci. You know, they have LA, I mean, it's an LSU grad company. And so they have no problem. I mean, number one, sponsoring the team and giving them all the supplies, you know, obviously, but helping with NIL. And the number I heard is just absurd. <laughs> I mean, it really is. So, hey, yeah, by, they, by, by the way, I want to say this. P, I, I, I'm not saying Vic Schaefer can't win. I think he will win, win an SEC uh, title. Look, he went to the national championship at Mississippi State. Okay, that that's hard to do. And, and I think he, Madison Booker is a great young player. And, you know, if Harmon hadn't got hurt this year, I, I think they're Final Four team for sure. Uh, Tennessee's also in, in the SEC. It's just there's some – that it's a tougher league right now than the Big 12 is. He'll get one, but I'm just saying what's the most difficult. That that it, That's a difficult league to win in women's basketball. All right, guys, we have a lot more questions here. And since we're talking about the SEC, Kyle wants to know, doesn't Texas officially go in July? Yes. That, he was talking, Chris was talking about that last night. I think the official date is July 2nd. Somebody correct me if they heard the heard the uh, the town hall last night or watched it. Um, I believe it's July 2nd is the fi- official move date. Another thing that Chris mentioned uh, last night is that they're going to celebrate this coming year 100 years of DKR being a stadium. It'll be 100 years since, and he mentioned this, not, not everybody knows this, but it's Texas, it's DKR, Texas Memorial Stadium. Okay. The stadium was originally built as a World War One memorial. Not World War II, World War One. Okay. Uh, so it'll be 100 years uh, since the opening of the Texas uh, DKR. And so uh, they're going to celebrate that this year. On, the, on a similar subject, will AM have an 85th year commemoration since their last national championship in football this year? Is it it's only 85? 85 years. Now, 85 now, years. Didn't they win in 35? I think 39, right? Oh, 39. Okay. Okay. I think it's a big 80. It's the 85th year, guys. They should do something for that. <laughs> put more put more championships on, on the sideline. Hey, they're going to start confusing people. With their championship years, they're going to say hang one for like 17, and it's going to be 1917, not 2007. <laughs> Got to do something. Got to do something. Another thing that was talked about, fellas, last night uh, was the Longhorn Network at the town hall. And Nate Russ says, I agree on the Longhorn Network. Is there any talk of keeping that alive for streaming services, or was that completely wiped out? And I know he addressed this in a way. Do you have more on that, Bobby? Yeah, I do. I talked to, I actually uh, spent some time with Chris down in New Orleans during the Sugar Bowl to talk a little bit about their plans on this. Uh, their plans right now is to create a YouTube show of sorts uh, that 
allows for certain programming that would have been on LHN to go forward on YouTube or another streaming service, whether it's Netflix or what have you. Um, that, that's their plan. Uh, they are not having it go away completely, uh, but they are going to continue it. And I think that's going to allow some of the guys uh, that have been working with the Longhorn Network to stay on. But the Longhorn Network itself, for example, if you have DirecTV and it is channel, what, 677 or something like that, um, it will actually now forward to the SEC Network and fold into that. So that is going away. What may not go away is some of what they call shoulder programming, not necessarily the event programming like a football game, but Longhorn pregame, Longhorn postgame, co coaching show, that sort of stuff may actually still exist just on a streaming platform as opposed to, uh, you know, the Longhorn network itself. Wow, it'll be like a Netflix of Longhorn content. Yes. And, well, let's see how it goes. They, I think they, based on what Chris said in January or late December in New Orleans and what he said last night, I can tell they're still trying to go through some machinations of what that exactly means. And we won't see, we won't, it won't have to be answered until July, August. Hey, King Me 851, great question. We're going to be talking about it a lot, but I think it deserves. Hey, before we get to that, Jerry, are you ready to tell folks out there about Manscaped? And then we'll get to King Me's yeah, question. Yeah, look, look, guys, look, it, it's Valentine's Day, okay? No, that wasn't my gift to anybody. Uh, that's just what I use for a prop. All right, but look, this is a very important Manscaped read today. Uh, 2024 is here in full swing, and that means it's time for a New Year's resolution check-in with our friends at Manscaped. It's never too late to level up your grooming game and keep your bush tamed. Manscaped's new Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra is every man's cheat code to look good, feel good, and turn the page on confidence this year. Whether you're going to trim, going for that trim or a clean shaven look, this trimmer has you covered. Trusted by over 10 million men worldwide, now's your time to get a grip on your grooming with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com and use on Texas all caps for 20% off plus free shipping. The ball is dropped, but don't drop the ball on your balls, especially on Valentine's Day. Manscaped.com on Texas all caps for 20% off. I cannot, I, I've got to say this. I was, you know, they had an ad during the Super Bowl. They had an ad during the Super Bowl. Yeah. Manscaped has gone big time now, Jerry. I don't know if you're going to be able to read them much longer. <laughs> it's our job to make. It's our job to keep up, Bobby. Yes, it is. Yep. Keep telling yourself that. I know. <laughs> We're going to get to that King Me question now, uh, and he says, "Do we beat the 2007 record getting players drafted in the seventh round era?" Mm, for Texas, yes. I don't think there's any doubt Texas is going to have the most players they've had drafted. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think it'll be seven to eight. Uh, I think that's going to be that, – that'll happen. Uh, the the reality – and we didn't even talk about this, and this should have been one of the, our leads for the day, in my opinion. What is it, 11 Longhorns invited to the NFL Combine? Yeah. yeah. Holy uh, cow. I mean, years. what a – that is just a congratulations to Steve Sarkeesian to the Texas football program, period. I mean, 
And did you see the list of teams that had people invited to the combine? Uh, it was the top five teams. It was Texas or Michigan was one, Washington, Georgia, Florida State, Texas. Those were five. Well, that's five of the top six teams in the country. What? what and to the point. But look, why does recruiting- Washington had thirteen invited to the combine, Jerry? 13, Washington yeah. theoretically was as talented or more talented than Texas, and they do have two guys that are expected to go ahead of anybody from Texas. Hey, oh, and we, we Romo, oh, well, Romo Dunze is going to be an All Pro. I mean, he's he's a different level cat. Uh, but I thought it was interesting uh, that. Michigan, because Michigan really plays into this conversation because Texas goes to Ann Arbor with a new coach, a new quarterback, 18 players invited to the combine, right? So it's twofold. One, that's great for Texas. Like like going to Alabama last year, I thought that was great timing for Texas to play Alabama early in the season. First time starting quarterback, not explosively talented on offense like some of Nick's best teams. Um, but now you're going to Michigan next year after they lose J.J. McCarthy and 17 other guys to the com- uh, to the combine, okay, with a new head coach, with a new staff on defense. Uh, but here's the other part of that. Um, we talk about it, and some people think stars don't matter, recruiting team rankings don't matter. Recruiting rankings very much matter, but there's two ways to get there nowadays. FSU got it done in the portal. There's two ways. Your recruiting rankings, Texas signed three straight top six classes. That's absolutely going to matter because Texas is going to have one of the four, three, four, five most talented rosters in college football next year. But the you can also do big things in the portal. I mean, Mike Norvell was in trouble at FSU, and they got well in the portal, and dang near got to the playoffs of, uh, without a quarterback injury. Uh, tough luck injury there. So there's two ways to get it done, but recruiting absolutely matters more than ever, but it matters in multiple ways. Hey, and what I was going to say is we need to eat a little crow because we all laughed at Jim Harbaugh at the beginning of the season when he said he had about 20 NFL players that would be invited or that would be drafted. And and there's 18. What what he left out, yes, and and I made fun of what he left out. (laughs) What he left out was his whole staff was going to be at the combine evaluating those guys too. (laughs) So he actually should have said we're going to have 26 guys at the combine. He had 18, though. He was saying he's going to have 20 drafted. Jerry's going to have more like 14 or 15, probably, that, it looks like. Just yeah. natural. Hey, I want to say this. You talk yeah. about OU lost their entire offensive line from this past year, right? Yeah. yeah. You know how many Michigan offensive linemen are going to the combine? Six. They Six have somebody not smart that's going to get drafted this year. They've got a backup offensive lineman going to the combine. You think they won that? How do you think they won the the they won it on the offensive and defensive lines? No doubt. That's how they won a national championship. And, and here's the crazy thing, Bobby, about that Michigan team. Uh, you mentioned this, I believe, uh, on on coffee and football way back. The tight end that's not draft eligible, the corner Will Johnson, they could be the best pros on the whole team. Oh, cool. Uh, the the Loveland, the last name Loveland, the tight end, oh, and Will Johnson. Yeah. They could be one. They could be the number one guys off the board at their position next year. Not to mention Kenneth Grant could could be or Mason Graham could be too. Yes, at their positions. Yes, and those are the two defensive tackles. So Michigan is high end talent next year. 
doesn't have the depth that they yep. had this year. And, and, and um, it's a great uh, play, Michigan. Totally new offensive line. Hey, of the 11 that are going to the combine, okay, there are two that somewhat surprised me with their invite. Okay. The the first one, the the, the ones that are were invited that everybody knew were going to be invited, Jonathan Brooks, Xavier Worthy, Jordan Whittington, A.D. Mitchell, J.T. Sanders, Christian Jones, Byron Murphy, Tavondre Sweat, Jalen Ford. So I, I thought those nine were going to get invited no matter what. Two guys got in there. Ryan Watts, who I did not know if he was going to get invited, even though he had a, a, a good uh, uh, East-West game. And then the last one really surprises people. Keelan Robinson invited yep. to the combine. Yeah. As a running back, but you know, he made his name as a returner and as a gunner. Let's see if let's see if uh he can be a guy that finds a spot on an NFL roster. He's gonna run a good time. I gotta find it in my notes, but I wrote down the numbers they're going to the combine. I'm not gonna remember it exactly, so somebody else can call me out. But you're the reason why speed at wide receiver is so important for Texas moving forward. You know how many DBs from the SEC got invited to the combine? 23 from the SEC, 23 DBs. So people think of it as OLDL league, and it is. It's the largest humans are from Louisiana to Florida up into the Carolinas in the country. It's true. Uh, just go walk around Georgia high school football, okay, in South Georgia, Atlanta. Ryan Nelson can tell you. He's on the chat. 23 defensive backs out of one conference at the NFL Combine. You better have speed and playmaking at the wide receiver position in the SEC. How many total from the from the Big 12? Six? Yeah, I mean, there were 90 SEC. If you count Texas and Oklahoma, which is what it is moving forward, there are 90 of the 320 guys invited the combine are from the SEC. So 28% are from the SEC. That draft number normally hits about 30, may hit 31% with Texas OU. But that's a big number in the secondary. I mean, that is well over half of the DBs at the combine. That's crazy. Hey, Zane Petty has a question. He says, fellas, how does Texas having 11 guys at the Combine impact recruiting? I think it helps. I think it's big. That and the draft that comes after. Uh, if Sark if he's, if Sark nails this and said he has 10 guys drafted, I can't tell you how much that does. Uh, because I'm going to say I, I, I'm a broken record on this, but TJ Ford says it best. Anytime we get into one of our fun conversations with him and Dan Ewing, um, a former Duke a basketball player played on those Willard teams. They both sell, tell you the same thing. All we care about here in our name call on draft night. Where can we go to be a pro? That's it. That's he said. And those guys will tell you NIL, no NIL. That's always going to be number one with these guys. He, where can we go to live out our dream to be a pro? And if, if Sark nails this and he has nine, 10 guys drafted this year, does amazing things moving forward because uh, we kind of I, I put a list on ontexasfootball.com yesterday. I think the number is going to be just as high next year, guys. Yeah. Man, if it, it I, I that would be surprising to me, but, but that also mean a lot of juniors go pro next year. Well, you think about 2024 real quick. Quinn, Kelvin Banks, right? Gunner Helm, Nye Black. 
Isaiah Bond, those guys aren't – Nyblack and Bond aren't coming to play two years. Matthew Golden may not be coming to play two years at Texas. Then, then you have – you know, you go Alfred Collins will be a combine guy next year, right? I mean, it, there's a cup. you know, you never know what happens on the offensive line. Could Jake Majors get a combine invite? Could a Terrence Brooks get a combine invite if he comes out a year early? Not out of the question. Ryan Watts at the combine. Sorrell. Baron Sorrell. Jade Barron. Jade Barron. Andrew Makuba. I mean, this list is getting there pretty quick. And that's without a guy like Ethan Burke, who has measurables if he has a good year. I mean, so uh, Trey Moore. I mean, it's not out of the question that there's as many next year. Hey, Max has a question. He says he's from Quero, and he wants to know, does Whittington make it in the late rounds? You know, I actually talked to an agent, an NFL agent, yesterday afternoon. Um, so Jordan was re-injured a little bit, and that's why he didn't play in the senior bowl. Okay? His issue, beyond all issue, will be his medicals when he goes to the combine. You know, how does that come back for him? And I think it will absolutely, it has affected where he's seen and valued as a player and as a potential draft pick. So I, I, you almost feel sad about saying it, but it's reality, right? We have to deal with reality. Jordan's been injured a bunch at Texas. How does that play into his draft stock? I think he was already a late round NFL wide receiver, a fifth through seventh round receiver. He's never been a second, third round receiver type, right? And so there are a lot of those fifth to seventh round receiver types. And maybe the team that cares more about, well, is he going to be healthy? And wants that verified fact to fill a roster spot, maybe they lean away from Jordan Whittington late. So I don't know. I mean, I think Texas has eight guys that are going to get drafted. Uh, of the 11, the three that I don't know if we're going to get drafted that were invited to the combine are Keelan Robinson, uh, Jordan Whittington, uh, and uh, uh, Ryan, Ryan Wall. Those three. But I think eight are definitely going to get drafted, guys. I will take a couple more of these NFL-type related questions. Phil says, what does Quinn need to do to get his name called on night one of next year's draft? Well, Quinn is going to be throwing at, at the Texas Pro Day, by the way. March, that's March 20th. Uh, so he goes out there. He's good. That'll be his first real exposure to NFL scouts on a almost a hand-to-hand level, if that makes sense. Scouts and can go and watch practice, but they have to be behind the sidelines, et cetera. They can't be on the field. They'll be 10 yards away from it in this in this this scenario. Um, I think he has to improve his numbers, go from 71% to 73, 72, 73, 74% completion ratio. Uh, he needs to up his TD to interception ratio, and he needs to learn and show that he can fit the ball into tighter spaces all while improving his numbers. If he does that, he's first round. I think it's two things for me. And I think last year he got serious about nutrition, lost. He, he, had, he had good weight last year. I think you're going to see a stronger frame, which I think NFL scouts are really going to want to see with a guy that's been injured two years in a row. Stronger frame, max closer to maximizing that frame headed to the NFL. And two, more plays in the red zone. If he does those, if he does makes more plays in the red zone and he has a stronger, more well-defined body that's going to translate to the NFL, I think with the pieces around them, third year starting, I think he's going to be a first-round draft pick. 
I, I don't know if stats are mean as much. Anthony Richardson went in the first half of the first round. I, I think it does for a quarterback like it like does. Quinn. I mean, he can. He's not. He doesn't have the explosiveness as a runner that Anthony Richardson brings to the table. And, so and, I think and I want guys that are more like that. Stats do mean more. I very rarely throw out advice, but I'm going to throw out one thing of advice for Quinn next year. And I don't care if Caleb Williams goes number one or not in the draft. No going in the stands, crying on your mom's shoulders. I would not take Caleb Williams number one at all. Quinn, don't do it. I know you love football. Don't do it. I would not take Caleb Williams number one. I'm here to tell you. I'm not saying he's not going to be a great player. That ain't translatable. Show me a video where Pat Mahomes was crying in the stands after Baylor beat him. You won't find it. Oh, all right. We're going to do a couple more Quinn questions here because y'all conversation has sparked that. And I'm going to just we'll let you answer both of them. Nate Russ says, do you think he uses his legs more? And then Ski Breck says, touchdown interception wise, we wanted 20 to four preseason last year. He fell a little short. What do you want to see this year? Yeah, I wanted to see four to one this past year. And I think he came up one touchdown short, four to one touchdown to interception ratio. What, what did he end up having, uh, guys? Y'all remember? Off the top of your head, I'll pull it up real quick. I, I think I, you want to move that to five to one if at all possible. Looks like twenty-two and six. Yeah, so he wasn't quite four to one. Yeah, um, right. And so you want to move that to five to one, and you know it's going to be an increasing competition level in the secondary. Jerry just mentioned it. The stat that twenty-three DBs from the, from the SEC or in the NFL Combine—that's eye-opening. I mean, what is? What did, does the rest of the Big 12 have total? Like six? Yeah. That's not I mean, that's a big stat looking at you from, from a quarterback perspective. So what about the legs? You think he uses his legs more? No. Um, if he uses his legs, it needs to be to increase maneuverability and time in the pocket. Um, and not he's not a run-around escape guy. That's not Quinn. He doesn't have... Pat Mahomes' ability to run around, be crazy, and do all that. But what he can do and get better at is his feel in the pocket. He has to get better feel in the pocket and not self-sack as much. So here's his last two seasons at Texas. Obviously, we see an improvement in the completion percentage and the touchdowns. Interceptions stayed the same. Jerry, what are your thoughts on the interception ratio going into this year? Yeah, I think, look, if those numbers progress, if you throw six, seven interceptions next year, if you're at 28 touchdowns, you're right You're right where you need to be. I'm not, you know, like I'm not as big on the stats. I mean, I, I think, look, if he has, if he performs in the fourth quarter next year, like like he did this past year in the regular season, fourth quarters, uh, I think that's, that's going to be one of those hidden things that uh, the NFL is going to really like about him. Because that means you're making plays late in games, um, and you got to have help at the receiver position to do it. Nobody throws uh, perfect passes all the time. But again, I think it's more with with Quinn. Um, it, it's more just building out that frame, making more throws in the red zone. I, I think that are they're going to translate to the to the NFL to be that first round pick. I I think if he does those two things, um, and he does that against the, the uh, SEC speed and and athleticism. In that conference, I think he's going to go in the first round. 
Well, fellas, we got time for some more questions here. But first, before we get those, Bobby, can you tell everybody out there about Adam Lowy and the Lowy Law Firm? Yeah, one more time for Adam. Adam uh, is a injury insurance, uh, a, a injury lawyer in uh, the state of Texas. Give him and his firm a call if you've been injured in an accident on the job uh, or by a truck, any kind, anything like that, where you think you might deserve compensation for your troubles. Uh, Adam at LoweyLawFirm.com. That's LoweyLawFirm.com. What Adam does, they give you a 15-minute free consultation, absolutely free. Just give them a call. Visit their website, LoweyLawFirm.com. That's Adam Lowey uh, and his his folks there at Lowey Law Firm. Thanks, Adam, for your uh, uh, ongoing sponsorship of Coffee and Football. All right. This next question here from Jason Washington, guys. And he says, what are your thoughts on the UT versus A&M game being played at Cowboys or Texan Stadium to allow the atmosphere such as the Red River rivalry? They so this has actually been talked about a lot um, back going back 30, 40 years. Uh, and neither team wants to give up the home field advantage. That's that's the long and short of it. It would it just wouldn't happen. I've long said Texas should play LSU in Houston. Agree. There is another like Texas, Texas AM needs to be home and home. Texas LSU should be played in Houston. That's that's my my opinion. I've long asked for that to happen. Uh, but in this day and age, and Chris Del Conte said it yesterday, a team needs seven home games. A, a university athletic department wants seven home games. Well, if you because of the extra revenue they get from that home game, right? And so I don't think we're going to see a lot other than Texas OU. I don't think we'll see neutral site games. I just don't. Because they can't get the revenue from uh, the corn dogs and the beer and all of those sales, they can't get from selling tents for uh, for uh, what do you call it for tailgating. All of those things that go around that game, then they have to pay for the band to travel. They have to, you know, there's all kinds of other costs that come into it. Uh, I would love a neutral site game, Texas LSU. Personally, having seen Texas Texas A&M, I think it's special when Texas goes to College right. Station. I think it's special when AM comes to Austin. So I, I would hold off on that rivalry and create a new one in Houston if I had my druthers. I don't think I do, though. I don't think I'm going to be that guy. So, okay. We talked about Quinn, but UT Tyler guy wants to talk about Isaiah Bond. He says, say Texas goes on a long playoff run. Will Bond reach 100 receptions this coming year? Ooh, no, no, that's 6.5 a game if you play 15. So, no, I, I don't see that at all. Um, what did he catch? 48 for 664 last year. Um, look, I, I think there's going to be so much talent. Um, I think ball distribution is huge for the Texas offense next year. I could see an Isaiah Bond having – he had 48 cat receptions last year. I could see him having a 50, 52. And I'm not saying he won't have more, but I could see it with 900 yards. 850 yards, right? I think he's going to have more yards, but necessarily not a lot more receptions. I could be wrong on that, but look, I mean, Silas Bolden, Matthew Golden, Jontae Cook, Ryan Wingo, Isaiah Bond, Helm, Nye Black, Jaden Blue out of the backfield. Texas throws the ball to the backs. Um, I don't know if Texas is going to run enough plays and play with uh, tempo enough because you got to, you, Sark's going to run the football. Um, so I, I don't know if they're going to play with enough tempo to put up those type of reception numbers, guys. 
I think that I, I want to go into something I heard uh, and talk a little bit about it. Isaiah Bond is is expected to be the best receiver on the team. Okay, I agree That's, with that. Okay, so he is expected to replace Worthy from a production standpoint. Um, Golden has been looking good. I, I'm told. No, he's the one that, I, and this is, I just got told this again yesterday. I, it is a echo in the building that Ryan Wingo looks fantastic. So this is not one or two people that now have told me this. This is now four or five people that have told me that Ryan Wingo is potentially special, that he is potentially the best freshman of all the freshmen. So what is that? How is that going to translate? Jonte Cook is really good, right? Jonte Cook wasn't the best freshman on the roster last year. Imagine an Anthony Hill at wide receiver, that kind of best athlete on the on the field type of thing. That that's how they're talking about Ryan Wingo. Two we are a month into him being on campus. So, and here's the thing. Here's the thing I'll say about Wingo too. He was hurt the majority of his senior year, so we never got to see true senior tape. I mean, going to the Adidas game after you've missed nine games or senior year doesn't count. The Texas fans. Us in the industry, we didn't really get to see him as a senior. So it, the key for me with receivers at Texas, whether it's transfer guys or high school guys, especially high school guys, it's a it, it's a complex system to pick up as a wide receiver. If Wingo comes in and does that, then watch out. Because, you know, it took Jonte some time with that. It took DeAndre. It's taken all those guys some time with that. If he comes in with his physical talent, and he also just boom processes his position in that off passing scheme and uh, and all the pre snap motion, everything that goes in to start trusting you to get on the field in crucial situations. If he if he passes that test, watch out, guys. And then David Williams says a factor in Quinn Ewers being more efficient is the lack of JT Sanders and Jordan Whittington in twenty four. It would be great if Ewers reached seventy percent completion efficiency. But who will his go-to receivers be? I think what's going to be interesting is it's not necessarily a big part of Sark's scheme, but he's going to have more. He's going to have better wide receiver screen options on this team next year, and that affects your completion percentage, right? Silas Bolden, it's it, Isaiah Bond. Those are guys you just Matthew Golden too. I mean, he's a guy who returns kickoffs for touchdowns. I want to say something on Golden in a second, but. I think you have more guys that you can get the ball too quick and they can make more big plays after the catch in short spaces next year. Um, where I thought that was really worthy last year, Mitchell was more of a route runner, but, um, you know, run to catch receiver, not catch and run receiver necessarily, how you'd use them in a scheme. Jordan Winnington, a little bit uh, of that, obviously. Uh, but I think they have more guys who are catch and run receivers on this team next year and at the tight end position uh, where they use Sanders in the screen game. I think you use C. Nyblack less in a screen game, but the receivers more in the screen game next year. I want to say this about Matthew Golden, too. You know why I think he's going to have a really good year? Because as talented as he is, he's he's already not talked about. And that <laughs> guy, those guys, he, remember the interview we did with Silas Bolden? You could tell he had a chip on his shoulder. Matthew Golden's had that same chip on his shoulder since I met him his junior year at Klein Kane because he was 
We had him ranked in the top 200 on three nationally. But here's the thing. Um, nobody else, a lot of people just had him as a three-star head in his senior year. There was seven, eight, nine, ten receivers that had a lot more offers than Matthew Golden in Texas. In the state of Texas. And he remembers that. That's and part of why, to- hey, Jerry, that disrespect, quote-unquote, is part of why he chose Houston in the first place. That's right. Over some uh, SEC and Big 12 teams. Yep, he had T. He, he yeah, chose that, over TCU, Arkansas. That's what I'm saying. He he chose Houston because he he felt like he wanted to be a focal point, not just an afterthought. Yep. He's gonna have a big year, guys. And then we got time for just a few more here, so we'll go three more questions. But I'm gonna combine the first two. Zane Petty says, will Niblet and Moore get legit playing time next year? And then Edward also wants to know, will Parker Livingstone see the field? Um, I was told that right now, this after Wingo, the second most impressive freshman receiver has been Aaron Butler. That doesn't surprise me. So let's so Livingstone and DeBose behind uh Wingo for sure. Butler has been more ready to go. We'll see whether Livingstone actually gets going in, in spring. There is a element of me that thinks Livingstone may be better in pads and actual playing game than actually against air. Agreed. So I want to see that. Uh, DeBose is still hampered by an injury that I'm not so sure they shouldn't just keep him out for a while and see let him really uh, heal. Um, as far as Niblet and Moore, Moore is certainly – in line to get uh, more time this year um, and legitimate playing time for the at, at that. Niblet, I don't know. We haven't seen him. I mean, we didn't see him last year. So uh, let's let's wait. I mean, spring practice, I think they, they get back, check in is March 18th, which is a Sunday, I believe. And then first practice is either that Monday or Tuesday. Uh, the pro day is the 20th. So They'll be getting back going. I, I'm I'm intrigued about DeAndre Moore and Ryan Niblett because where do they fit? They're kind of in that. We know where Jonte Cook, we think, fits. Where do DeAndre Moore and Ryan Niblett fit? I, I think it's a great question. I don't have the answer to it. Well, it, it's a big spring for those guys because with Silas Bolden still being at Oregon State, being a grad transfer, he's not here this spring. So Niblett and Moore are going to get plenty of opportunities it's a big spring for those guys. It's Niblet's first spring practice because he was a May graduate. It's DeAndre Moore's second, and he had some moments last year. But those guys, it's a very big spring for them because you have a very experienced, very fast and productive player that's not there for spring practice that will be there um, come June. Okay, for our final question, we're going to go over to the OnTexasFootball.com forums here. And it's a loaded one from Ryan Nelson. He says the college football vote for the upcoming playoff format is next week. It's expected that the format will be five highest ranked conference champs and seven at large teams. Bobby and Jerry, give us your pre-spring 12-team playoff for the 24th season. I I need some time to think about We're going to have to piecemeal this together uh, as a group here. Okay, let's go. um, I'll get the easy ones out of the way. Georgia. Oregon, Texas. Oh, Oregon South. over Ohio State? Yeah, Oregon's schedule's tremendous to make a 12-team playoff, and they have a loaded roster. And I, I do think 
Bill O'Brien going to Boston College saved Ohio State's season uh, in a way. I think Chip Kelly is going to is going to be a better college OC. But I'm not a believer, and I think Ohio State should make it. But I'm just not a believer they have as much team speed as when Urban was the coach there. And and, and I'm not sure Oregon's not going to be better. Um, well, I, I, I got to ask, what are the five conferences? They're going to go Big to Ten, Big Twelve. SEC, ACC. What's the yeah. fifth conference now? Because it wouldn't be the Pac-12. <laughs> yeah. Um, I Long story, I had Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State, uh, and then I went, you know, I went Utah. I mean, Utah is going to, I think, is going to be the favorite in the Big 12. I, I mean, right? Cam Rising is back, Jerry? No. Nah. They won the Pac-12 two out of the last three years. No, I mean, as, far it's, as, just, as far as the rest of the at-large teams, I think you're going to see three SEC teams minimum, SEC teams minimum. Yeah. Okay. As far so of the 12, three, at least three will be SEC, possibly four, depending on how it, it pans out. That could mean Texas gets in, um, obviously. Uh, ACC is going to get two. Big Ten's going to get three or four, just like the SEC, and the uh, Big 12 will get one or two. That's how it'll roll out. And then maybe there's a team that rolls out and gets, I don't know, 25. I mean, you know, wins, goes 13 and 0 and somehow sneaks in. I think, hey, the AC, I think the ACC is the total wild card next year. I mean, I, Clemson has the most talented roster. Um, they're also the biggest underachiever at this point in the ACC. Uh, I, I, I think. You know, that's going to be so interesting uh, to see who comes out of the ACC uh, next year. That's going to be one where, you know, it it may not be the name team you think it is. I mean, could an NC State have that magical season and get in? That's what's cool about the 12-team playoffs. Some of those fan bases have hope now. This this actually was asked the other day, and we never got to it. I had it queued up to get to it. But, you know, let's say a school like UTSA, for example. Their only loss is to Texas next year. Do you think they can make the 12-team playoff? No. No, I don't think so. I I think those teams have to be perfect. It, the back teams have to be perfect. The CUSA teams have to be perfect. They can't be 11-1 or 12-1. That's that's my general opinion. That makes sense. Even over a three-loss, nine-and-three Texas. I think they have to be perfect. Uh, somebody's saying Notre Dame. Notre Dame is in my 12. because, uh, I, I and, I say, and I say this because I still think Riley Leonard, for any singular team, was the biggest win in the portal. Some, Miami fans may, off, may argue Cam Ward, right? But I go Riley Leonard. Uh, because I, I think I think that he is Sam Hart was a good quarterback, but I think Riley Leonard's a future NFL starter quarterback. And I think had he not got hurt this year, maybe the only reason he's still coming back to college, I think that was a big, big portal addition. I think Notre Dame is going to have their best quarterback uh, for a singular season season they've had in a while. I don't, I, you know, Cam Ward's a good quarterback. I think he is a little bit of a system quarterback, and I don't know that Miami has figured out how to move the ball frankly so i i you know if he would have went to florida state i would have put florida state up there as possible uh acc champs but going to miami i just they don't have a cohesive idea of what they're trying to do on offense in my opinion 
So, so yeah. somebody, somebody brought up a point, and it's a great point. One of our things we can close on is uh, getting quarterbacks from the portal every year is lazy. I think it's twofold, though. Notre Dame recruited the quarterback position really bad for about a four-year run. Like, the, their guys just didn't pan out. So they really had no choice. They didn't have anywhere to go on their roster at quarterback. So I think that's twofold. But if you just bring in a transfer quarterback every year, I'm not sure longevity-wise that's a good thing, but I will say this. At one point last year during the college football season, 16 of the top 25 teams in the poll had transfer quarterbacks. You know, look, two of the four uh, – Texas has a transfer quarterback. I mean, Washington had a transfer quarterback. Um, so two of the top four. But, uh, you know, at J Florida State, Jordan Leary is a transfer. You know, it, I think that I think that there is a difference, though, Jerry. Like Texas and Washington didn't have single-year transfers. Right. Like there's guys that are mercenaries, right? Sam Hartman was a mercenary at quarterback for, for Notre Dame. Three-year, two-year starter at Wake Forest goes one year at Notre Dame. Cam Ward, two years at Washington State. He after one year at uh, uh, Incarnate Word, he's going to go be a mercenary at quarterback. I don't yeah. think the mercenary position at quarterback works, uh, but I will say this: that's not exactly a, a an endorsement of Tommy Reese and Brian Kelly and what they yeah. were doing at quarterback no. at Notre Dame uh, no. prior to Reese going to Alabama and then. Uh, uh, Kelly to, to Notre at uh, the LSU. And by the way, your last two Heisman Trophy winning quarterbacks have been transfers. Yeah. Okay, guys. Well, that was an action packed show. There was a lot to talk about. And man, I, there's more to talk about. We just won't, unfortunately. Happy Valentine's Day, fellas and ladies out there. <laughs> and that Kit Kat and Valentine's Day crack. <laughs> <I know. laughs> went to Walgreens to get his. his <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is for the show. This was for all my fellas out there, Texas fans. And if there's any AM fans, and oh, now you don't get that. <laughs> Discount hey, aisle from Kroger's. You did, you did have somebody in the chat at the beginning of the show say thank you for the reminder because I guess they, they it was a genuine thank you. So you, you helped at least one person out there, Jerry. And that's hey, hey by the way, I want to mention something before we before we get out of here. Um, I had a chance to talk with Sean Rogers yesterday for about 15 minutes on the phone. I, he's going to come on co uh, coffee and football soon. Um, and we'll see if he brings his old buddy Casey Hampton with him. But I, I can't wait until Sean comes on the show uh, because he's got great thoughts, right? I mean, from his recruitment at, to Texas, playing with Hampton, playing on that great defensive line and that no, last number one ranked defense that Texas has had in college football, um, and, and then into the NFL, what he saw with those guys last year, what his thoughts are on the Texas program. Uh, by the way, his daughter's a, one of the top uh, volleyball players in, in Texas. She's a junior committed to SMU already. So he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a dad of an athlete, uh, but I can't wait uh, until Sean comes on. I think people are going to really enjoy it. Um, and and I got linked up with him through TJ Ford and Daniel Ewing uh, because they all hang out, uh, Sean, and uh, they all live around each other in uh, Siena Plantation these days. So, uh, th thank you to TJ for hooking that up. But I think people are really going to enjoy Sean Rogers when he comes on. It was a fun conversation. He was a fun guy to follow in recruiting too. He always yes. had a word. He always had some words. Should be fun. 
All right, Bob, before we get out of here, what do you have later today right here on Texas Football? Jerry and I are going to do the state of the program here in a little bit. Uh, that should be out around noon today, hopefully. Uh, and then also uh, we've got uh, the live stream tonight. Uh, a lot of stuff going on, on on Texas football. CJ's got some recruiting news that he's going to be posting. I've got a couple of articles I'm writing as well. Jerry's going to be posting recruiting news. So join us on ontexasfootball.com during the day if you get a chance. Uh, it is free to sign up, register, join the conversation, ask questions, whatever you want to do, uh, but come hang out with us. Okay, guys. Well, thank you for, to Adam Lowy and the Lowy Law Firm. Thank you to Manscaped for sponsoring today's show. And then, of course, thank you all for tuning in. We appreciate the support. If you haven't already, we would appreciate if you would hit that like and subscribe button and uh, head on over to ontexasfootball.com and join in and come join the conversation like Bobby said. So for Bobby and Jerry, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you tomorrow morning. Hook em. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done.